Hi, I'm Fred Schonenberg, and thank you for joining me on the Venture Fuel podcast. At Venture Fuel, we help companies find new solutions by partnering with the best startups from around the world. On the show, you'll learn the secrets of business leaders who tap into startups and the founders driving extraordinary results. We'll consider new ideas, stretch our mindsets beyond the status quo, and in the process, discover how to leap the competition and fuel personal growth. Hello, everyone. On today's show, we have Sharon Lighty, CEO of The Vitamin Shop, the leading specialty health and wellness retailer. The company operates over 700 stores in the United States, as well as an online business at vitaminshop.com and has expanded globally in Asia, Central, and South America. The Vitamin Shop offers the largest assortment of vitamins, supplement, and sports nutrition products at retail in the United States. Prior to joining The Vitamin Shop, Sharon was the North American president of Godiva Chocolatier, president of Sally Beauty US and Canada, and EVP of Pier One. Sharon has been voted one of the top women in retail, serves on the board of the National Retail Federation, and earlier this year starred in the most recent season of CBS's hit reality show, Undercover Boss. Today, we're going to talk about health and wellness trends, the evolution of retail, and the role of innovation as she continues her transformation of the vitamin shop. Just for some context, after she positioned the vitamin shop to be acquired by Franchise Group, she helped the team increase EBITDA by 77% in 2020. So ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Sharon Lighty. Sharon, it is so nice to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Fred. It's great to be here. So beforehand, when we started recording, I was laughing that as a, I was born in 1976, and I remember as a toddler being pushed in a stroller past the original vitamin shop, which was opened in New York City in 1977. But right after that, the company grew like crazy for, you know, steadily for 37 years into national presence. And then in 2014 or so, uh, sales slowed a bit uh, due largely to underdeveloped digital presence. You then come in 2018 to rethink the future strategy of the company. I want to start with where do you even begin on a journey like that? You have such a strong brand. It's, it's maybe in distress. You're not growing as fast as you would like. How do you begin that journey? Well, the first thing I always do when I learn about it, when I learn about an organization or join an organization is for me, it's always about the customer and you need to really understand who they are and what's important to them. And for me, I was new to this industry. So I was coming into the business with truly a fresh set of eyes. I had never run a health and wellness company. It's, it's, it's not what my background was based on what you just read there. And I really needed to learn the business and I needed to understand the customer. So it all starts there. And initially when I joined the organization, I was told the consumer was predominantly female. And actually that wasn't true. The consumer was actually a pretty balanced mix between male and female. So that was one myth I had to bust that we actually had a very balanced consumer. And the other thing that about the vitamin shop is the age range. While the customer skewed older, it was still pretty broad. And so really understanding and grounding yourselves in who the consumer is and what they're looking for and what they want was kind of, it all starts there, for, at least for me. Then the other thing that was important to me was I really, as looking at this business from an outsider's view, I walked into the store and you mentioned the store in, in Manhattan, as that first store is still there. And when you walked into the store, I saw this, what I call like this run-on sentence of products on shelves. And 
it was really confusing to me. Um, I didn't understand it. And so I was out to really demystify the category and demystify the experience so that we could provide solutions for our consumer. And then the last thing that was I saw that was really missing was the true lack of digital presence. I mean, in fact, three and a half years ago, the stores didn't even talk about vitaminshop.com in the store. And so today it is such an incredibly integrated experience. So we really had to understand that the consumer had moved on, was very focused on digital, in particular in this category, the, the likes of Amazon and some of the big box retailers had really taken share from us. And it was a lot of it was because we didn't have a digital presence at all through social, through the experience we had on our website. I could go through the way we, we engage with the consumer, the content that we served up. I could go on and on. We just didn't have a presence there. So we really had to understand that. And then the last thing was really getting back to our specialty store roots and knowing that we truly were a specialty retailer because today no one does what we do in the specialty space. And we have this really special group of people that we call health enthusiasts in our stores. And our associates and the importance of the stores to us is, is that the education and the information that they can provide consumers in terms of truly helping them with facts and truths and uh, was a very important uh, part of our strategy to make sure that the consumer had a place to go where they could get the best information, trusted information, so that we could truly help them become their best self, how they defined it. I love that. And it and it's true. It's such a, it can be a complex and, and, and confusing category. There's, you know, various claims. And so having a, a trusted expert that you can turn to is, is such a, a special place to be in the consumer's heart and mind. Yeah, no question. It's, 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 it's really important. And, it's, and that's what great brands do. You right. know, they really connect with their consumers on an emotional level and trust uh, in terms of how they engage with them, where they're going to spend their time, when they're going to get their information. And so really leveraging that is an important part of our strategic mission here at the Vitamin Shop. What role does innovation play in this turnaround? Everything. We have three brand pillars called quality, innovation, and expertise, and innovation in everything that we do. So some people define it and think about it as innovation just in the products that we carry, but I look at it as innovation in the way we think about our business, the way we engage with the consumer, really staying on top of the trends, making sure that the products that we deliver and that we introduce and that we create are through innovative ways of product ingredients, first to market making sure that we're surrounding ourselves with innovative thinkers. We're a big believer in uh, being first to hop on a, a, an innovative trend in terms of technology and digital innovation, because we believe that if we can kind of be on the forefront of that and scale it, it will help us deliver a much better experience for the consumer. And as a specialty retailer, our ability to be first to market is an important part of our strategy. So innovation truly in everything that we do. Um, trends are very important. So where vitamin shop maybe historically had always been thought of as kind of your traditional vitamin mineral supplement, there are amazing trends that happen in our industry. And, you know, I, as you shared earlier, I came from the beauty industry and the beauty industry was always so good about about hopping on trends. And I see a lot of parallels between our industry and the beauty industry and how we can really be the market leader 
by truly having innovation at our core in everything that we do. So one of the things that's kind of built into innovation is you start to embark on areas that are outside the core expertise of the company. Can you talk about the role of collaboration, whether that is with startups or new technologies to kind of maintain your core, but also bring in this new and different ways of working and thinking? Yeah, I think collaboration is incredibly important. I think you are smarter when you do it together. And we will never be the experts in everything you possibly could do to bring to the consumer. And so we have strong collaborations with best-in-class technology vendors. For example, just recently, uh, we have a relationship with a company called Logic Broker, which is helping us with a dropship program that is allowing us to bring additional products to the consumer uh, in a digital way an expanding reach that we never would be able to do it if we did it ourselves. We also have done some things with our loyalty program in terms of making sure that we can personalize an experience for them, the way we communicate with them uh, in a way that they want to, really making sure that we look at all of the different channels that consumers can communicate and making sure that we can deliver that. So We were one of the first to move forward at the specialty level with things like payment plans like Klarna. We also have ways to get speed to the consumer in terms of our ability to get product to the consumer faster. And so we look at the whole ecosystem of how we deliver that uh, for the consumer so that um, we can be first to market, on trend. uh, And uh, we are a big believer in working with startups, actually. Because startups, when you don't have all the big oversight of big companies, it's amazing the innovation that you can bring. And our innovation store that we have in New Jersey was our first new store design. We actually had uh, monitors in stores where the consumer could, uh, on a touchscreen, get product information really easy at their fingertips, compare products so they could make the best informed decision. Uh, But innovation, again, collaborating with best-in-class folks across the continuum, whether it be technology, uh, product ingredients. In fact, last week I was out with one of our manufacturers and collaborating with them on product formulas, what's best-in-class, what's first-to-market, how we can really leverage other people's expertise to bring that to our consumer to continue uh, leading in this market. It's so interesting. I feel like we could talk for a long time just on the collaboration piece. One of the areas I wanted to turn to, though, was when I think about retail innovation, and you all have such a great expertise with your in-store, your history, the associates that work there, how do you reinforce that brick-and-mortar expertise online and social? Right? You guys are a wellness authority. I go to the store because I want to ask some questions and understand this versus that. How do you amplify that expertise at scale on whether it's social or e-commerce? So the best way to do it at scale is through online means and digital means. There's no question. And there's a couple things that we've done in terms of really defining and driving our expertise pillar. And that's things like we have a, we have a blog called What's Good. And uh, we also have a wellness council of industry experts And on staff, we have a number of certified nutritionists. And you see us infuse all of those different expertise areas uh, into not only how we show up digitally, but then the information that we provide for our health enthusiasts. For example, 
are experts. We just had a brand conference uh, about 30 days ago, and it's the first time that we brought our health enthusiasts, which are our store, or primarily our store manager group, to a central location. And we actually were able to bring a number of our wellness council of industry experts so that they could impart their industry knowledge on, on our health enthusiasts, which bring that to the local communities that they serve. And then our Local experts, our health enthusiasts, will share that information on their individual Instagram pages, for example, along with our own company uh, company expertise. And same thing with our wellness, our blog. When you look at how we pick that up across other digital channels and where that can show up, how it helps us with SEO. There are so many things that we've tried to do to kind of incorporate all of these uh, digital aspects in terms of driving an expertise message out to the consumer. It's really an important pillar for us to make sure that, again, as I said earlier, when we talk about collaboration and we talk about innovation, everything that we can do to help surround ourselves with people that are smarter than us and that we have the ability to kind of to take information that they can help us in terms of us being more successful for our consumer based on the knowledge and the data that we have on the consumer helps us uh, deliver a trusted experience uh, for the customer of today and uh, help us with the needs uh, for them for tomorrow. You mentioned one of the things that, that sort of blew me away when I was doing research for this conversation was you, know, you have over 700 stores and they each operate their own Instagram account with hyper-localized content, as, as you just described. Obviously, you've got you know, the, the sort of brand, you know, national brand channel, but when you have 700 different stores out there in the public, how are you able to relinquish control, if you will, and have confidence that those individual operators are going to maintain your brand strategy and you know, just sort of all the, I, I would say, the, the worries that you would have as you know, the mothership controlling the message? Well, first of all, I'm incredibly proud of the people that work for the vitamin shop and the care that they have and in bringing our brand and what we stand for to their local communities. And they're an incredible group of people. And, you know, while we do educate and we do provide some overarching oversight around, you know, what we and how we want to show up out there in the social stratosphere, we do provide them a level of education on what to provide to the consumer. And I will tell you, they're so passionate about making sure that the brand shows up the right way. Yeah. And we've also done some contests where we said, who, you know, whoever has the best social post or something like that, or gets the most clicks or likes or, you know, followers or whatever it is. And, and they really kind of harness that and really show up incredibly well to the digital consumer that shows up in those social spaces. But when you look at the reach so when you combine what we do corporately and you combine what we do out across you know, our, our entire fleet, it drives engagement with the consumer that we could never do ourselves corporately. So with them, it gets a, a reach to over a million consumers just on Instagram. And so that's a really important number and very large number. And uh, you know, I have complete trust and faith in what they do. And They've never let me down. And uh, they just are so passionate about showing up properly for their customers and for the communities that they serve and, and truly helping them become their best selves. And uh, we have relinquished that control. And uh, so far, it's been great. And I, I would, it's not for everybody, 
It's certainly not for everybody, but for us, it really does work. And then the other thing I would just say is, you know, we have, not everybody is into social media. And so I do think, you know, just from an organizational standpoint, you do have to educate them. Not everybody grew up in these mediums, myself included. I had to go to class. And so we do try to provide them with the best education we can also so that they can show up the way they'd like to in their local communities. It must be hard to do at first, but then when you think of the strategy and that you have local expertise, and that's one of the core pillars of the company, of course, people want to hear from those local experts uh, and their perspective from, from their vantage point in their community. It makes so much sense. So let me ask you this. You're, you're, you're noted as an early adopter uh, to new formats. We talked about it. You know, it was, maybe it was last week or two weeks ago, you had a live streaming experience during Earth Week. Can you tell us about that and what you learned from it? Well, when I talk about showing up and being where the consumer is, live streaming is one of those digital mediums that you need to show up in. And, you know, it was in conjunction with um, with Earth Day this year. And we had a number of initiatives that we wanted to make sure that the consumer knew about. And we felt that this was a great way for us to do it. So one of our nutritionists that I spoke about earlier, uh, her name is Rebecca, for the four days leading up to Earth Day, we had different live stream events so that we could educate our consumers. One day we were talking about a plant-based lifestyle. Another day we were talking about how do you transition to a plant-based diet. Another day we talked about recipes. And the next, last day we talked about, you know, smoothies and mood and how that can, how can, how that can help you. The other thing we did that week is we also transitioned to no more bags in our stores. We actually went to a recyclable bag as well. So we connected all of these things around Earth Day and we delivered that via a live stream event. It was on a microsite so that we could have it show up in SMS. And I got my text message that says, hey, don't miss the live stream event. Emails, we had it on social, we had ads on Facebook, and we also showed it on TikTok. So again, that's all, when you integrate all of these different digital channels, it really helps surround sound what you're doing, and how we were able to support this important initiative. Uh, We tested it. We hadn't done it before. We're very excited about the results that we had, but I think it really speaks to, you know, how do you surround sound a program uh, that you really want to share with your consumers, but do it in a way that makes the most sense and for where they are, which is meeting the consumer where they like to engage with you. Very, very cool. So when I I was thinking about the future of health and wellness, uh, and and we, we've, we've spent some time thinking about it and looking at it. I loved your trend report, by the way. That was uh, super interesting. And one of the trends on there aligned with what my team's thought was, which is personalization, right? Is that there's so many gadgets, right? Tech gadgets. I've got the aura ring on, uh, you know, someone on my team has the whoop and someone has the Apple watch and everyone's got something. They're tracking their health and taking control of their sleep, their exercise, their nutrition. And so then, of course, the next step from that is personalized products or things from there. From your chair, I mean, you you see more of this and know more about this than, than anyone listening. What role do you think personalization will play? And obviously, there's the balance of personalization at scale. But just curious, when, when you start to look at the, the tea leaves lining up, uh, is, is personalization something you think consumers are excited about? Well, especially in our space, I absolutely am a big believer in personalization. If you think about, take it, take it a real step back, and you think about 
everyone has their own health journey or their own wellness journey. In some cases, it's about helping the individual be, you know, strong and, you know, help them build their muscles. And it's about a fitness regime for others. It could be, I'm helping an aging parent with bone density, or I have trouble with sleeping. And so that's where we talk about, we want our consumers, uh, we want to help our consumers become their best self, how they define it, because we're all on our own individual journey and personalization absolutely plays into that. And so the last thing I want to do is have a customer that came in for, you know, bone density, aging type products, and then all of a sudden send them an email for creatine. Yeah. Probably doesn't make sense for the consumer. And so I think there are are a couple of things that we've done that has been a, a game changer for us. And that is when we launched our loyalty program a few years ago. And it really, and it's evolved over the time. It's a tiered program, but we've made a lot of strides around making sure we can personalize the journey based on that data and mining that data to serve up content that's relevant for them. And you can keep track of your awards on an individual basis. I'm testing everything. So, you know, I get my text messages and, and all the other things, email, of course, but, you know, other mediums that I engage with. And so personalization and serving up content couldn't be more important when you're talking about somebody's individual health and wellness journey. So I think it's really important also that even in a loyalty program, you know, everybody has perks, but are they personalized perks for that consumer? It doesn't make sense to serve up content that's not relevant to them because otherwise, you know, that erodes the trust that they have with you as a customer. I also think that, you know, as we think about how we can leverage data and technology, you know, things like geo-targeting, dynamically changing things based on where they are, uh, making sure that we have exclusive offers. We've made uh, a lot of progress on our app and our customers that are engaged with our app because it's so personalized to them, they truly are our most loyal customers. And we see a tremendous amount of engagement with that. So There continues to be a focus on how we can continue down that journey. We are just scratching the surface. There is so much more that we can do here. uh, And it's certainly uh, something we will continue to focus on. And this can be in regards to personalization or overall. Is is there a startup or a new technology that that you've seen that that you're excited about? Something new and different, uh, whether whether it's something you guys are implementing or working with, or just just curious your your take of of what sparks your interest. I will tell you the most fun we've had in the last year, hands down, has been TikTok. It has been you know it it, it grew up, it burst onto the scene through the pandemic. And we have seen amazing swings in products. Like last year, for example, chlorophyll was trending on TikTok. There was a huge run on chlorophyll, not only in our stores, we sold out on the website, but it was very interesting to watch the search behavior on the site also in terms of what that particular medium did for that particular product category. The other uh, one that was was really fun to watch was uh, we have a, a beverage called Prime and Logan Paul, it's a drink that Logan Paul has created and we, we carried and he did a kind of a random TikTok video in one of our stores in the New York City metro area. And all of a sudden we had these young, I talk about you know, teenagers and, you know, that 
now think, oh my gosh, vitamin shop has something for me. Yeah. Uh, that they were so excited about it. And again, we sold about six weeks worth of drinks in six days because of TikTok. And then just on the on the fun part, the when you go back to the associates and, and their ability to kind of connect with us on digital channels, they've had a lot of fun creating their own videos as well and posting them too. So I think it's a it's a it's a fun informative uh, way to engage with consumers today and certainly brings in those new consumers. So TikTok has definitely been uh, one that we've really enjoyed as of late. That's very cool. I had a question that I meant to ask earlier that TikTok just <laughs> rejiggered in my mind. Uh, I, I was having dinner with a senior executive, big, big company uh, last week, and we were talking about the challenge of communicating innovation to Wall Street or the board or you know basically whoever that the hires higher ups are because there's this pressure right of whether it's quarterly results or just momentum and, and traction in the business yet there's this need to to do live streaming right even if like the numbers are they don't have the scale right they're not moving the volume although it sounds like some of the ones you're doing are moving the volume but curious if you would have any advice for executives that believe in innovation, that want to try new things, but are worried about this, I don't want to say navel-gazing, but a focus on like, hey, but we have to deliver results today. That's a three-year-out solution. Well, when I was going through, we were a public company when I joined the organization. And um, you're absolutely right. It's hard to get shareholders and analysts to understand why you have to invest here, you know, and they don't necessarily always understand it because they're looking at earnings and you know EBITDA performance and, and what's going to move the share price. What I found was important is to make sure that it's connected to the overarching strategy and how it will help drive that result. If you only talk about innovation for innovation's sake, it can get lost. If you can link it to a bigger, broader strategy about how you're, for example, you're going to engage with the consumer, and this is a component of why you do that. And you can also link it to helping them understand that this helps us get to where we need to go and how an organization or company or whatever it is can be relevant for the next generation or for the next five, 10 years. I have found that to be an effective way to to communicate why innovation and why you have to have the development and why it's okay to try things and fail. Now, quickly learn from them, but why you have to innovate because, and it, and more now than ever, Fred, I think for, for us, it's, I think it's really important um, because we all know what happens to stagnant companies. They're not here anymore. Or if they didn't, you know, if you, if you don't innovate, you die. Yeah. Uh, and I, but I do think it has to transcend in everything that you do. And it has to be just part of who you are and how you articulate that message but you have to connect it to the overarching strategy and what it will do to get to the results. I also think that for you know people that are having to communicate, you also have to understand your audience and your message may evolve and change a little bit based on who you're speaking to, based on what's important to them. And so I think modifying the message, understanding your audience yeah. uh, is also very important, but you have to connect the dots. For sure. Yeah, I love the connection to strategy. I, I saw it's a stat and it's probably two years old now at this point. It was from Brand Z. I'll never forget it. I, I saw it at uh, the, the Cannes Lions 
conference and it was in this like back room, but it was the, the CMO of a, a large publicly traded company. And he showed the stat and it was uh, the companies perceived to be most innovative outperformed the market by 237%. Mm-hmm. And he focused in on the word perceived. And he goes, look, a lot of this is we need to try new things. We need our consumers to know that we are innovating for them, with them, and we're going to meet them wherever they are. And right. that that is almost as valuable as the actual innovation. And I think there's a balance. Obviously, the, the actual innovation is is super important too. But yeah, and uh, I think and don't you think that consumers also, generally speaking, want to be involved with or associated with people that are or brands that are also aspirational? Yeah. And you can't be aspirational if you don't innovate. And so I think that's another part of it that, you know. Again, I, I go back, always go back to the consumer. And I think you just said, you know, in terms of what the consumer is really looking for. And I think that that is such an important part. And I also think sometimes that when you run an organization, sometimes I think part of my job is to simplify the message also as, as best yeah. as I can, because you can't have an organization focusing on so much, but if you can really stay very, very focused and how do all of the different components link to the overarching message that you're trying to deliver, uh, you gain a, a much better uh, level of alignment and execution in terms of delivering what you're trying to achieve. Very well said. So what's next for the vitamin shop? Is there anything that, that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, so there's an important initiative for us, uh, and that is we just recently announced that we will be franchising and have franchising opportunities for the vitamin shop. And we're very excited about this because going back to what you said about your first store, the first store in Manhattan, there is a physical picture that most people have of what the vitamin shop is. And what franchising allows us to do is it allows us to refresh the physical footprint of our locations and to reach more consumers faster and surround ourselves with people that are just as passionate about what we're trying to do as we are. And we can do it in, we can do it much faster if we have some very committed new health enthusiasts to help us accomplish those goals. What's very different about our franchising model than other franchising models is we will be the first retailer that will be fully omni-channel in a franchise location. So the goal is, I go back to the customer, the customer can't know the difference between whether it's a company-owned store or a franchise location. The customer doesn't care. They want, we have to deliver a very specific um, consumer experience leading with a digital first mindset. And so we have built out the capability uh, to be able to do that. And our first store opened in uh, North Carolina. Uh, We have a number of stores already in the pipeline. And we see this as a really exciting uh, growth opportunity for us over the next three years. So we're super excited about this. And I can't tell you the franchisees that I get to meet that are so passionate about what we do, about bringing health and wellness to their local communities, uh, helping them on our mission of bringing lifetime wellness uh, to the consumer uh, is is really pretty inspiring. And so we're very excited about this next growth uh, opportunity. The other thing we're continuing to pursue is building our brand. Um, Our private brand portfolio has really expanded over the last couple of years. And we're excited to expand and bring these great products to consumer outside of the traditional four walls or digital channels of the vitamin shop. So continuing to expand our footprint in terms of sending the message about what the vitamin shop can do for 
consumers. Sharon, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and all you're doing to spark change and, and what you're building. Well, thanks. It's been great to be with you, Fred, and thanks for including us today. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sharon. I know it gave a lot of insight into how retail is evolving and the opportunities for innovation within it. If you enjoyed this, I know you're going to enjoy our event coming up at the end of May. Uh, You can follow us at LinkedIn at Venture Fuel. The event will be May 24th at 12 p.m. Eastern time. It's a one hour event. Uh, It's part of our What's Next Now series, and it's all focused on health and wellness. We have an unbelievable group of speakers crossing the corporate venture capital and startup ecosystem talking about what's next. And obviously, all of us are concerned with our health and wellness. And I think this episode with Sharon is probably the best teaser we could have uh, for that. So again, just go to LinkedIn at Venture Fuel. You will see the event listed there. It is free to join, and we would love to have you there. Thanks, as always, for listening.